UCW. We won conference championships in 2003. But this is my 17th year here at school. A uh, little bit now, I coach a little bit all the event areas. Me and the head coach, we kind of tag team it. So work with the sprinters, hurdlers, jumpers. Um, and I'm in charge of recruiting, so I help recruit all the event areas. Uh, biggest reason why I got into coaching was basically uh, off my high school, track, high school track coach. He's a basketball coach as well. Uh, he's a pretty successful coach. We won two state championships in basketball, and we're public school in Buffalo, New York. So to win a uh, state title, that's doing something. Uh, during my sophomore year in high school, my mother was killed by my stepfather. And, uh, and basically, uh, he saw it on the news, everybody saw it on the news, and he pretty much just took me under his wing. Uh, I was the manager for the basketball team, I helped with the football team, and uh, because of him, that's what, that's what got me into coaching, just what he did for me as uh, just somebody who was in his class, he heard what, what happened and took me on his wing, and like I said, I put me on the track team, I was the manager for football and, and basketball, so that's what led to my coaching career. I just wanted to pay it forward for what he did for me, and I been blessed to do it. Uh, this is actually, I've been coaching, this is my 31st year altogether coaching. Started at, back home in Buffalo, New York at a community college I attended. Coached there for about five, six years. We won like eight or nine regional championships. I placed, gosh, about 40, 50 kids uh, to Division One school, Division Two schools to track scholarships. Then I got the opportunity to go to uh, University of Maryland, College Park, and that time we were in ATC. Coached there for eight years. I coached uh, the hurdles and the high jumps, and I was recruiting coordinator. And again, like I said, recruited one of the best classes in the country. Uh, coached girl at ACC championship in the high jump, Olympic trials finals in the high jump, uh, to NCAA meet. So I've had a pretty successful coaching career. And here at UCW, helped win uh, five conference championships and uh, school record holders, uh, NCAA qualifiers. Uh, Basically, did a lot of traveling during my career because of because of coaching. I've gone to places I probably would never have gone if it wasn't for my coaching career. Uh, like I say it's been a real blessing uh, to be able to work with young people as well. Uh, somebody like Derrod, uh, recruited him. I uh, recruited like a lot of the kids in our program, just give them opportunity to get education and do a sport they love. And, and as Derrod would tell you, we have some tough practices and we, we're, we're strict on them. Because you know we want the end, we want the best for them. We know the end goal. What it cost, what it what it means. We have a college degree, have an education, and the experiences that he's getting as being a, uh, as being a student athlete here at the at the university. Uh, actually, uh, this week has been an interesting week. We've had some kids come by and some challenges and, and personal problems and issues. So coaching is just one part of it. I'm a psychiatrist on the other end. Um, <laughs> try to help people solve their problems. Um, I mean, it's been a range of emotions for this week as far as we have one of our athletes uh, thinking about suicide and you're just trying to work with them through that. Uh, you have other athletes that got family problems and thinking about dropping out of school and you tell them, no, don't do that. That's the worst thing you can do. Just try to encourage them to say, hey, it's gonna be tough, but just stick it out and, and just persevere through it. And I would tell you guys the same thing. It's, it's you're gonna have some challenges, you're gonna have some Issues and everything, you just got to persevere and just hang tough. You look at somebody standing in front of some, you know, standing in front of you that I shouldn't be here. Honestly, I should be. I mean, lose my mother at 15, lost my grandmother at 18. Uh, look at me, you wouldn't know. I'm a, a prostate cancer survivor. I've had um, next month will be uh, eight years prostate cancer survivor. Thank you. Um, so, like I said, life throws you a bunch of challenges. It's just, just gotta just. Just persevere through it, and that's the way it's coaching as well. Um, coaching, we train, we train these guys, and we do workouts all week. We get to the meet on Saturday, and sometimes it goes great, and sometimes the preparation you do don't work, and you just have to go back to the drawing board and just try to figure out what can we do, what uh, what didn't go right, what can we do to get it better the next week, uh, helping them, help them get better, and just using Derrida as an example. His freshman year, he took some lumps. He got beat up a little bit and and everything with the new coaching change and a new culture and and everything and made all conference last year in the long jump. And the goal this year will be conference champ. And that's the goal and try to get to NCAA meet. But it's, it takes it takes progress and steps. So like you said, his freshman year was kinda of tough. 
because he had to learn, you know, training from high school to college is, is completely different. Uh, coaching is different. I mean, he, he'll tell you, he went to a little 1A school, he was state champion, rock star, athlete. When you come to Division One, the highest level of co competition and coaching and, and everything like that, things change. Uh, now, we get, when we make our kids lift, they have to go to study hall for the whole freshman year. Uh, if they don't get their GPA at a certain level, they stay there their whole academic career. Uh, we, you know, they have to go to uh, community service. They have to do, oh gosh, I mean, community Life service, a bunch of stuff, uh, life skills in NCAA. So, like I said, even for him being a student athlete, everybody think it's glamorous. He's walking around wearing this stuff, but they don't know what hoops this guy has to jump through. And and even us as coaches, you don't realize. I mean, everybody think, you know, I have kids some day, some days they look at my desk and they come by the office and like, Coach, man, what are you doing? You probably doing nothing today. I'm like, if you only knew. Spitting <laughs> <laughs> up fires that they don't even know about and, and things like that. But coaching is uh, it's a rewarding career. It's, I've been blessed by it. It's, it's made a difference in my life. Uh, I just thank my high school coach and, and, uh, and my, the college coaches I worked under, I learned a lot uh, from them. One was more at the Maryland coach, head coach. This, he, was, he was a tough coach. Uh, if you didn't like it, you tell you like something you did. He would tell you about it. But he was he always told me he was just getting me tougher. So when I become a head coach one day or keep coaching, you just keep learning. Uh, the longtime coach here, Coach Sprecher, uh, started started the uh, the program pretty much. He won the school's first track uh, track and field won the first uh, CA championship for any sport on this campus. Uh, so he's a legend and, uh, from that. His style was different. He was a yeller, screamer, cusser type. I'm not, that's not me. I'm, a, I'm pretty laid back. If I raise my voice, something had to be pretty wrong, but I don't belittle them. I just think when you're cussing out your athletes and things like that, you belittle them. Uh, and you still want them to try to have them perform for you. That's kind of tough. So I just, my management style, like I said, coaching style, I just, I'm easy going. Um, what you see is what you get. Same thing with recruiting, because you got to recruit young people to the school. So the way I present myself in recruiting, that's the same way when they get here on campus. Look out for them, and take care of them, trying to lead them down the right path and uh, help them to make the right choices and decisions. Because the thing uh, you guys don't know when it comes to recruiting, uh, the parents are entrusting me with, with their son or daughter. So I'm just trying to lead them down the right path and, and making sure that you know, we, we do the right things for them. So you're from Buffalo? Buffalo, New York. Where in Buffalo? Uh, east side of Buffalo. Okay, I'm from Tonawanda. No way. Yeah. He's <laughs> <East> suburb. <laughs> Suburban guy. That's right. That's, that's not Buffalo. It is uh, north of Buffalo. North of Buffalo. Yeah. Really? What high school? Uh, Tonawanda High School. Yeah. 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 I went to Bennett. Okay. And then I played at Erie Community College for two years. Really? Were you at NCC or at ECC? ECC, city campus. Okay. And I took one class at city campus in 2000. Yeah, small world. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a Bills fan? Huge Bills fan. Of course. I'm happy not to be 2-0. Yeah, yeah. If they were 0-2, I'd be like, eh. Yeah. Uh, what, what questions do y'all have for them? Yeah, please. Fire away. Um, over your 31 years of coaching, how has your philosophy changed, philosophy changed, or has it just stayed the same since you started? When I was a younger coach, younger coaches, we think we know it all, honestly. <laughs> We do. We're cocky, we're arrogant, and realize you didn't know anything. I'm really grateful for the head coaches I worked under. Uh, coach Goodman, Bill Goodman, head coach at Maryland. There, he was an All-American athlete there. He was a jumper, and uh, he was a head coach, assistant coach and head coach. I learned a lot from him. Uh, like I said, learned a lot from Coach Sprecher, the head coach, longtime head coach here. And, uh, and the funny thing, our head coach now, he's a 30-year-old guy, and I'm uh, mentoring him, so to speak. But it's a great relationship. and. Um, like I said, I've, over the years, I've just, I've just gotten smarter as far as how to do work. And, and, just, and just when you're a younger coach, you, like I said, you're immature. Like I said, I, just, I think I've really matured a lot over the years. And, and the experiences that, that you go through, that helps a lot. Like I said, but really, I'm telling you, I'm just being honest if I can. When you're a young coach, you got to remember where I come from. You, you heard part of my background. So I'm like, man, no, no, not average life. I had to grow up fast. So when I got that job at Maryland, I, you couldn't tell me anything. I was a man. I'm like, man, get out of my hometown. My hometown is one of those hometowns where if you don't get out of there, it's, 
I mean, a lot of people selling drugs. Most of the guys I grew up with, dead, jail, selling drugs. I'm one of the few guys that out of my neighborhood that, that made it out of my hometown. When I go back home, um, makes me feel good that, you know, you, despite everything you've been through, you get out of that environment and get all the challenges and everything is show that you can do something with your life and your career. Um, when you were first starting out, what was like one thing that you wish you knew or like one piece of advice you'd give uh, when I was younger, uh, just like I said, I was just immature. That's the image, really immature of the coach. Uh, I just think the longer you do it, you get a you get a style, you get a pattern, you learn about work ethic, and uh, you learn about uh, just paperwork and, and what needs to be done. Like when I come in the office now, I mean, I have my day planned out. I know what I need to do. I know what needs to get done. I know what I need to do, uh, meetings, anything. Uh, younger in my, in my younger days, I uh, just didn't work hard. I really didn't. I just I was I was a coach. And I was just learning and everything. That's the good thing about the coach at Maryland. He was tough on me, really tough, and uh, that's why I became. Uh, that's how I got to be a better coach because of him and uh, his his style. He was a, he was. He's a yellow screamer, cusser type, but he would be the type, after he does that, he'd just give you a hug and just say, hey, I'm just trying to get you to, you know, to see what you're doing right and do what you're doing, I mean, what you're doing wrong and try to help you correct it. Like I said, just, I mean, like I said, from younger days, just, just immature. Like I said, when you're a young coach, you think you know it all, you got the world by the, the tail and you really don't. Uh, well, this year class, uh, actually for the women, it's probably my best recruiting class ever. The guys signed one of the best athletes in the state uh, this year. Um, he'll probably be the NCAA meet this year as a true freshman walking in the door. The biggest challenge with the freshman year to year is just maturity. Um, just trying to teach them, keep, you know, teach them you know, what to do, keep them on the right path. Like with the freshmen now, the biggest challenge is getting them to go to study hall and getting their hours in. They have, to go, they have to go stay over study hall six hours a week. So we got guys that are going five hours and some going one hour. So we're like, so we're meeting with the freshmen now and just trying to get them squared away there. Uh, we talked to them about the weight room and their effort there and their effort track. And of course, we stress going to class. Go turn in your homework. I mean, he'll, you know, he, the Rod would tell you, we, we stay on the everybody about academics. Well, that's the biggest challenges from high school. Because again, high school freshmen, just like the young coach, oh, I got it made. I ain't got to work hard. I, I got great grades for high school. I could breathe, and and they find out there's no breeze, not especially not here. Other schools, you might be able to breathe as a freshman, but not here. So that's the biggest challenge with the freshmen every year, just trying to get them used to the program culture and just get them used to the, realizing when you come to college, you have to work. It's it's not like high school; you can skate by. I know that uh, our program got cut. So, what was the feeling of like letting down like the athletes at that time that were cut? And um, like, how did you feel that you should change? Ah, can you give a background of that story too? Well, uh, four years ago, the athletic director had the wisdom to try to drop to drop the track and field program, the men and women's program. I say that sarcastically. The wisdom, <laughs> but um, and the crazy thing, we won a conference championship. The men just won the conference championship the year before. They're gonna cut the program the next year. That doesn't make any sense. I had one of the best recruiting classes going. I had signed, I had signed seven kids, and um, then then AD made this move. The toughest thing is just for the kids. You coming in as a, especially as a as a freshman, you're thinking, hey, these guys just won a championship. I'm gonna come in and help help do that, and and you're worrying about your track career and academics and because he, he made this announcement during the final exams in the in the, in the fall semester so then it was crazy we go to meet and people will be recruiting the kids uh, coach I know your program's getting cut and, and it was it was just a, it was just a nightmare I, I mean the biggest thing I took for from it actually I talked to the athletic director about it and uh, and one thing he tried to make me understand 
and you guys need to understand, uh, Division One athletics is, is, is a business. They tell you it's not a business, they're lying to your face. College athletics at this level is a big business. Uh, UNCW athletics is a big business. It's not as big as like the, the ACC, SEC, those, the, those conferences and those schools, and those, their athletic department, they're making hundreds of million dollars. <laughs> uh, UNCW, we're making money as well. So it's a business. So I understand what he was trying to do. And, um, and, but every, I treated him with respect. I was cordial. I didn't you know, take the attitude of I hate this man and this and that. I throw a brick through your window and <laughs> office window and all this stuff. I just never took that attitude. I mean, it just, I understand it was a business decision. Uh, it's because it was tough calling the kids and telling them the freshmen I assigned, the kids who were coming in this year. That, um, that, that pretty much the program was dead. But through uh, divine intervention, um, we, we got a reprieve. We had to raise $250,000 in three months. We raised 255000 Then the next year, I was like, well, you got to raise a million dollars for the track. Then the chancellor came in and said, no way, no programs. We're good. Um, you guys are going to help raise the money for the track. The track out there now, you guys see, it's, it's a, basically a million-dollar track. Uh, we kicked in money, but the city and county kicked in the most of it. Uh, they, they kicked in 800000 of it, of the million. So thank the city and county for, for us uh, having a new facility out there for everybody to use. Um, but uh, that, was a, that was a tough time, and we still battle that. People you still use that against us in recruiting, that, hey, the program can get cut and get dropped. And now we're good with the new facility. Uh, and of course, the teams back then, we had over 100 kids. Right now, we're about 55, 60. So everything's cut in half. But uh, we try to give them the best experience possible. we sponsored by Adidas. So we give them uh, shoes, practice gear, book bags, travel bags. So we, so we try to make the experience for them the, the best as possible, regardless of what happened in the past, we're, we're moving on, and that's our new attitude. We're just moving on, and, and we're just trying to persevere from that. And that's in the past, you know, I think we're, we're good moving forward. But that was, a, that was a tough time. Physically, I mean, just mentally, everybody, everything, any way you could imagine, that was tough. Because like I said, we come off winning a conference championship. I'm plugging away, recruiting, practices are going great, and everything, then you get that bomb dropped on you, you're like, What's going on? <laughs> so. so when one of your athletes does something bad or like more off the track or maybe in school, how would you handle that? Uh, we discipline them. Um, we, yeah. with somebody, well, the one thing you don't know, I'll tell you, and I'll tell him, uh, student athletes, when they do something wrong, we get a call from the, from the police department and uh, we get and they contact the athletic department and the athletic department contacts us. So it's better for them to, if they do something wrong, to tell us that they did something wrong before we find out second and third hand. But we'll talk to them in, we'll bring them in and talk to them about uh, their, their bad decision, and we'll punish them. They'll have, they'll have some type of suspension. Um, we've had kids, we suspend them from meets, suspend them from practice. Uh, uh, we discipline them. Uh, there's, there's no getting away with anything. I mean, you don't do something wrong. If, and, do you ever try to coach them through that and say, you know, try to give them the help they need to become, maybe even if it's something small like a bad work ethic or talking back to you, do you ever try to like, you know, what can I do to help them get out of that or be a better person? Yeah, we just try to, yeah, I mean, they don't talk back to us. They, they, yeah. they, won't, they won't be around. Yeah. We, we don't tolerate that. And the recruiting, that's one thing I do. I go to a lot of meets and uh, I'm sitting in the stands and see how people interact with their coaches. If they're talking back to their coaches, I don't want that kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, as he tell you, we had a pretty harmonious uh, situation in practice. But if somebody did talk back to us or, or do something we didn't like, yeah, we try to educate them. Mm -hmm. We try to tell them you know, the right way, and, and that's wrong what you're doing. We try to educate them, on, try to do things right. We always try to educate them to do right when they do wrong, and try to show them show them what they did. This this is not going to work. You got you got to change this, or you're not going to be part of the program. Yeah. Uh, no, that's the one thing we always tell them. It's, uh, it's a privilege to be a student athlete, and not just here at any university. It's, it's a privilege. So we can take that privilege from you if you don't, if you 
don't want to follow by our rules and what's expected of you as a student athlete? Um, in recruiting, uh, what is it that you look for most in an athlete? Uh, just character. Uh, talent, because I, I, mean, I go to meet, I know who, who's who in the state. I mean, I know who the top kids are. I uh, just want to see, like, to see how they warm up uh, or, or how they interact with their coaches and their parents and, and things of that nature. And um, pretty much, if you're not a coachable athlete, I don't care how good you are. You can be Olympic gold medalist, I'm not going to recruit you. Because if you're not going to show them respect, you get here, you're, you're definitely not going to show me any respect. So, we, so that's, that's one thing I really look at in recruiting, just trying to find people. Um, you know, and sometimes people are rough at the edges, and we've we got to mold them and shape them. And, but nine times out of ten, I just try to define character. Of course, you need talent as well. I'm no dummy. You need talent to win, and um, so you've got to have a certain level of talent. But, again, you've got to be coachable and got to be compliant and, and got to be will, willing to learn. I mean, like I said, recruiting is it's not an exact science. You recruit kids, and some kids, they, get, they find out what they got to do. It's not for everybody. And we have kids who, who hang it up. But for the kids who stick it out for the four years, they'll have uh, relationships and friendships and experiences and everything you could ever hope and imagine while you're in school. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was kind of the same last same question. It was about what he just asked. Yeah, recruiting, and the funny thing, recruiting is easy. Recruiting is about relationships. Uh, if you can't build relationships with people, you shouldn't be coaching or recruiting. Uh, that's one thing Derrida would tell you. Uh, I care about everybody I recruit, everybody that comes to the program. We're not just coaching them to try to get them faster, jump farther, higher, whatever. I, I have a holistic approach. My approach is making sure everybody graduates. If you come to this program, you start, you finish it, you get a degree. You have a great college experience. If your career doesn't even go, if it doesn't go the way you hope, my goal for you is to get a degree and get and have as good experience as you possibly can. Education is, is the priority when we bring them into the program. Uh, we tell them academically it's one of the best schools in the state, so you got to go to class, got to go to study hall, you got to turn in your homework. We try to educate them. I mean, throughout this whole process, even during the recruiting, we, you know, we're pretty straightforward and tell them what to expect. And we don't get kids sometimes because kids don't want to work. Some kids don't want to go to class or things like that. So, hey, this is not school for you. You need to go to this school if you're not, if you're not going to work. How do you give uh, early coaches who don't have the, um, I guess, ability to recruit? They're just, they have a high school team. There's a lot of maybe behavioral issues and stuff going on outside that they really can't control. But as a maybe a new job, it's their only experience they're, they're going to have. Yeah. You know, how would you uh, maybe work through a situation like that for somebody just coming out of college who lands their first job and has that type of adversity where they can't pick and choose yeah. uh, coachable players? Well, the biggest advice I would say is just, just put yourself in their shoes. Uh, I mean, that's the one thing people have, I mean, just I'm, one thing I have a heart for people, and I know even within our kids we recruit, we have kids with issues and baggage and, and, and tough home lives and everything like that. So, I mean, it'd be the same thing for you if you're at a, if you're at a, a high school and you're just working with a track team and, and that's the kids you have to work with. Just meet them where they're at and just work with them to where they're at. I mean, if they need some discipline, just try to give them discipline. If they need a pat in the back or a hug or just words of encouragement or something like that, something to put them on the right path. I mean, you do those things. Just, I mean, doesn't make a difference. I was, to, I started off at community college. At the community college level, I mean, those are those are the worst of the worst. Because I mean, of course, those kids don't have the grades to go to Division One. Most of the kids I recruited, they had the talent, but they don't have the grades. They don't have they don't have the character. They don't have the personality. They don't have nothing that would be redeeming to Division One schools. So you recruit those kids and you try to tell them, hey. Keep your nose clean. Go to class. Listen to me for two years. I'll get you a Division One scholarship or Division Two scholarship. So, even at the community college level, we you know we're recruiting kids. I mean, th those kids would not be able to get in here. 
I mean, no, none of, not one of those kids were able to get in. So we got to, at the community college level, that's the great thing about the community college level. We got a chance for two years to mold them, shape them, build them up before they go on to the next, the next college experience. But even at the community college level, we're just, we're just taking kids off their talent and just, and just realizing the fact that they're going to be on some rough patches and rough edges. And you just work with them where they're at and just try to shape and mold them within that two years. If you're a high school coach and you have kids that you get as a, as a freshman or a sophomore, just take that time and just shape them and mold them and, and just give them some character, give them, help them with work ethic and leadership and all those different things that might, whatever they're missing, just try to instill it within them. Is there a way you coach for character? Or coach character itself and, and how do you apply it? I think the best thing about coaching character is just, just talking to people about their habits. Mm -hmm. uh, the habits you do daily, will it lead to you being a better person? Will it lead to you doing things the right way? So we talk a lot about just their habits, mm -hmm. your daily habits. That, you know, that dictates a lot of what, you, what you're going to be or what you're going to do. If you got bad habits, and, and that's why you're going down this road, but but if you if you know you got bad habits, and you just, if you can work to change those habits, you can make a change to help yourself. Uh, like I said, the, the biggest thing is just daily habits. That's what we preach to the kids. Is what you do daily. Don't tell me you want to be all American, but you're staying up to two, three in the morning, and you're eating cookout at midnight or one in the morning, and you expect to go out here and run against kids or doing everything the, the right way. You know, it's again, it's habits. Don't tell me you want to be a three a dean list student and you're skipping classes and you're not turning your homework or you're late to class or or you're falling asleep in class or whatever the habits might be. Mm -hmm. So we just try to correct the habit. If you can correct the habit, you can correct the person. Okay. I can say, back uh, to the recruitment. Yes, Coach Tomlin has been there for the last two years when I was in high school. I didn't I didn't know UNCW until. I came on campus one day for high school, and I was like, I like this campus. And my mom was like, I was like, Mom, I really like to go to UNCW. And she was like, um, did you know that you had a letter, uh, like a questionnaire, that coach gave me uh, back at the state meet? And I was like, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. But um, I contacted them, and like, Coach Thomas was like the first ones to actually give my mom something. Because uh, he was, you were looking at me my sophomore year. Well, I, can't, I'm, I can't, well, sophomore year, I can't technically yeah, you can't really talk to do you. anything. I saw you compete. So. Yeah, so okay. it's just that that feeling of him just being there, even like those two years of, uh, those last two years of high school, like Coach Thomas was like there. He was like, the ride, like, just make sure you're on top of your grades, make sure you uh, do good on the big test and stuff. Then uh, when I came in, yeah, I, I had a big, turnaround my freshman year. Freshman year was like the killer. But I think you had too much fun your freshman year, honestly. Uh, it wasn't even that. Like I was just going through emotions. Oh. And um well, most of freshmen do have too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say when we had that big talk um after Christmas break with the team and like I came out and I was like just without the coaching staff that I had at that time I was I felt like I was whole again. Like I felt like I can go to my teammates, I can go to my coaches every day to know like if something's wrong with me, I can go to them. Like recently, yes, I got a speeding ticket and I did get an accident yesterday. Yes. What, what did I tell you this morning? Just let it go. Everything like, will be fine. You'll work, fine. you'll work through it. Just learn from your state. So, mm -hmm. is it having those coaches being there for you? And like I said, uh, to, we had a whole coaching uh, change last year, and it really affected me because I wasn't expecting like what Davis could actually do as a head coach and uh, as a judge coach, because I was so used to what Karen I used to teach me. And um, just that adjustment, now I'm just like, what Davis is doing and what Coach Thomas is doing now, it's like the best feeling I ever had. Like, I love what they, they're trying to expect me to do, and like they're pushing me to my limits in a good way. Um, that's one thing we do. We actually uh, pick 
if you picked what seven to eight kids on men and women's gender uh, to be team leaders. Some of them are freshmen, some are transfers. Uh, we just pick people we feel like could uh, they you know that has the quality. I mean, you, as coach, you you can see who has leadership qualities and who doesn't. And actually, we picked one girl as a captain because she's actually our best, one of our best athletes. And I'm trying to, we're trying to get her to become a better leader. So we're putting her, we're pushing her, projecting her in that leadership, uh, in that leadership role by being one of the captains on the team. And uh, whether she likes it or not, she's going to learn before she graduates that, about leadership and leadership qualities and quit being a follower. You know, lead, lead by example and things like that. Uh, uh, but like I said, that's and that's the nice thing for those kids. Those uh, that group of people, they you know when something happens, you know, let the cap get in touch with the captains and let the captains talk to the you know the people as well, their teammates as well. But and we're we're we're, we're by letting them do those things, we're we're giving them leadership as well. We give them control and say, hey, this is your team, this is your program. You know, you know, you see, you know, you see stuff that we don't see as coaches. Uh, so we just try to correct it, you know. But for our situation, we're it's pretty peaceful. I mean, we don't have any drama at all. So that makes it that makes it easy. But when we do, but I mean, you know, like I said, we try to we 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 stomp it out as soon as we can. And like I said, with the with making kids captains, I, like I said, we're showing them, hey, won't you be leaders? And we're like I said, the one girl, she's our she's our best returning athlete. And she doesn't have a leadership bone in her body, but we're we're trying to make her a leader, make her a leader, make her because we got we got a bunch of freshmen. We got between men and women this year. We have in transfer. We have thirty newcomers, thirty. Half the team is freshmen or transfer. So and she's she'll be a junior. So she needs and she's one of our best athletes. So she's got to become a leader. I mean, these freshmen are gonna be looking for somebody to lead them. So we're we're forcing her hand to be a leader. By, by putting her in that, in that position to, to be a captain. Nice. Yep. Uh, with a lot of different events and athletes, like how do you manage their mindset towards like training and their like individual events when you have 60 people and only like X amount of coaches? Well, what we do is actually, um, we split it up. Um, if you're a field of an athlete, we, we have you come out at a certain time and we just work with all the field event athletes. If you're a running event athlete, we have you come a later group. So we give them more TLC just that way. Uh, when, when you have them all, all of it at one time, a group can definitely feel neglected. So the way we do it now, the kids are, I mean, they're getting what they need because we, I mean, like I said, the jumpers, I coach, I, I coach the high jumpers and Coach Davis will work with the long and triple jumpers so, and we'll flip flop. And so those, everybody in that group is getting coached. Uh, the same thing in the sprint group, sprint hurdle group. Um, everybody's getting coaching. Um, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the smart thing we did this year. We, instead of having everybody out there and you have a group that maybe feel neglected, uh, we, we just, if you're a field event, you come out 1.30. If you're a sprinter, hurdler, you come out 2.30. And, and then we coach them. We, we've coached them better this year, honestly. Than we probably had in the past because, like I said, just, just with with three coaches and 60, 50, 60 people, somebody's gonna feel like they uh, something. They're gonna feel through the feel through the cracks some way or form. Uh, when you're recruiting, how do you sell yourself and sell the program to make the athletes like want to come compete for you? Don't sell them anything. UCW sells itself. I know if I get them on campus, it's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> Take them to the rec center. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I'm serious. You just get them on campus. I've, I, I've never been a used car salesman. I, that's, 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 I remember my recruiting style. I just tell you what, talk to people about what we've had. Like at Maryland, we have one of the best schools. We're in the ACC. We're sponsored by Nike. We, and academically, we have these majors. Same thing at UCW. Hey, we're, we're the number three ranked public school in the state. If you're serious about academics, don't tell me you're looking at school this school, that school, this school. Only schools that are better than us is Carolina and State. So don't tell me about your serious by academics and you're not looking here, you're not going to those other two schools. Don't tell me that, that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> so the so bottom line, when it comes to it, it's just, I mean, just be honest with them. And again, it's, it's, it's an approach where, it's an honesty approach. I mean, I mean, 
honestly, you could tell if somebody was coming up to you to talk to you about something, if it was a line of crap or somebody was being really sincere about what they're telling you. It's the same thing in recruiting. People, some people will sell their soul, they'll lie, they'll do whatever they can to get a kid to come to their school. I don't have to lie. I don't have to make promises or anything. I just know if I get them on campus and stress academics and our team culture and holistic approach and so it's about just, just about them, you know, it's about them being better people. That's my goal as a recruiting coordinator. I tell them, hey, I want you to be a better person than I recruited you. I want you to get a college degree. I want you to have the best college experience possible. So, and like I said, when it comes to recruiting, you gotta be honest and upfront with kids and their parents because if you don't, that's, that's a bad situation. When they're expecting this from you and they're not getting that, that's, where, that's when kids tend to transfer. When you feel like they lied to or, mis or been misled, I've never never done it. I'm not going to start now. Always got to be honest with people. That goes a long way. What do you think about that fast kid out of Georgia as a freshman? You know no, about? oh, he's actually from Texas. Uh, oh, like uh, he's at the University of Georgia now. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Boland, he's incredible. Yeah, but he still doesn't have the has he doesn't still have the national high school record. But yeah, if you don't know, I mean, when it comes to sprinting, <laughs> I'm not trying to sound funny here, but He's a white kid. He's from, um, I think, suburban Dallas. He's ran like 998 for 100 meters. And he's launched up 26 feet. He's run 45 seconds of 400. He'll, he'll probably be a CW champ this year. And I'm thinking 100 at, at Georgia this year. Four time, you think? Huh? Four time champ, you think? At the uh, he'll, he'll probably turn pro. Yeah, he'll go pro after this. He'll probably go pro at this season because he's that good. Would pro be Olympics? Olympic level, yeah, world class level. He's, he's that now. Yeah. As a high school senior. I'm surprised he didn't take the money. Well, a lot of kids, if you're good enough, they'll they'll get you right out of high school if you're good enough. That's what Allison Felix did. Yeah. She had a scholarship to Southern Cal. Nike came with seven-figure digger. I mean, seven-figure deal. And just like um, East Carolina, they had this kid, LaShawn Merritt. He ran three races at ECU. He broke, broke the world record in the 400 meters. And before the NCAA championship, Nike gave him a seven-figure deal. Gone. So if you're good, they'll they'll get you. So he, he won't be at Georgia for one year. Wow. But, but he's he's phenomenal. If you if you get a chance, go on YouTube and just type in Matthew Bowling, and you'll see some of the most incredible things you ever see in track and field. I saw the, the Georgia football team, they had a head start in a race. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and then you got you saw the video and then he beat them. He beat all of them. Who remind me though? They were receivers or running backs? They never I don't game. think they steal with the touchdown. Yeah. yeah. He is fast. He's one of the best. I think he's number number two or three all time fastest high school sprinter ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. The fastest, actually, the national high school record, this kid out of North Carolina, he ran at Florida State. He ran 10 flat. Yep. Trade Friday. Trade Friday. Trade Friday. Yeah, Trade Friday. You know what uh, city came from? Uh, Cherryville. Yeah. Wait, High School. And he went to Florida State for a year, then he signed a big shoe deal. Wow. Yeah. Uh, if you're recruiting a high school athlete, you have the chance to talk to them and they try to negotiate with you and say, well, I'm looking at this other school and like trying to bargain with you. Do you ever chase after a martyr and try to offer more? Or are you kind of like, okay, fine, do your thing? It just depends who the kid is. Like, uh, uh, well, the one thing people, uh, they say they don't do it, they're lying. People will negative recruit. I mean, like people negative recruit up. Some people believe it out. Some people use the hurricane against us in recruiting. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> oh, the school, that school ain't standing anymore. It's wrecked with a hurricane. <laughs> I had a kid, one of the kids that was on the team told me that a school told them that because of the hurricane that, oh, they're not going to have a track program anymore. I'm serious. As soon as that sound, people, people will negative recruit to try to get, get, get a kid to come in. I'm not going to negative recruit. I'll just point out, hey, we're we're better than this school academically, and and we'll do this for you, we'll do that for you. But in recruiting, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're we're battling for kids every year, and um, again, I just think if you're honest with kids, you're honest with their parents, they get a chance. To, the nice thing is they do what's called an official visit, so they'll they'll uh, they'll come and they'll meet with the coaching staff, we'll turn around campus, they'll eat in the dining hall. They go to the rec center, come out to practice, weight room, and watch the, watch practice and talk to the kids. And they stay overnight on campus. So 
So that's a big that's a big part of that recruiting process as well, getting them on campus for that official visit so they can see what the culture is for the time they're on campus. But, huh? Got two tomorrow. I actually got two kids that are top eleven in their in the country in their events come to visit. From one girl from Ohio and kids from uh, uh, North Carolina here, and uh, they both would be NCAA qualifiers, walking the door as freshmen. So, so again tomorrow, I'm just going to show them what I do for all the visits. So just, just be upfront and honest. Tell them what we can do for them academically, what we can potentially do for them financially, and um, and again, I just say, just I mean, like I said, recruiting is just recruiting is reputation. So. And the state have a great reputation. People know when they, talk, when they deal with me, it's gonna, it's, things are going to be dealt in a professional way. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to compromise myself just to get a kid, or I'm not going to lie or, or anything just to get a kid to come to our school. And, and like I said, once you burn that bridge with a with a school, you probably never can get a kid from that school again, or, or you have a bad relationship with the parent or the kid. It just, I mean. Just, it's not worth my reputation just to try to get a kid to come there. But there's recruiting battles. Um, like yeah. one of the recruiting battles last year was um, this girl, um, Porter Myler, um, assigned a girl named Michaela Gasser. She's pretty good, 56 seconds for 400. And there were schools coming after her, there were schools offering her more money. And things didn't happen, things happened to her on the official visit. It didn't go well. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get this girl. But but, her, but she saw through it and her mother saw through everything and felt like this was the best school for her. Even though somebody might have offered her more money, but she realized academically and, and from a coaching standpoint, you know what I mean? That's, that's what's really important. That's one thing I think parents really do value is the coaches, who's gonna be with their, who's gonna be mentoring their son or daughter. Because um, I mean, say if you, you know, if somebody comes across kind of shady, you're not gonna send your kids to that school. <laughs> But some coaches, some parents do, because somebody, maybe they offer them more money. I don't like that coach, I want the school. They give me more money, I'll take it, but that's the worst thing you can do. You pick a school because you like the school. You just go off your, you know, you just don't do things just for the money. And some people just do, people will make choices off because of the money. Um, dealing with the money, I play baseball here, and okay. I um, baseball, you only get 11.7 full scholarships, mm -hmm. and you have to disperse it through the team. Um, I was wondering how track and field your scholarships were. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not fully funded. Uh, fully funded. If you're fully funded by uh, men, uh, NCAA for men's track and field, you have 12, 12 and a half scholarships, 12.6. I think we have two. So, uh, yeah. So is it difficult trying to get kids to come since you're limited to your like, resources? Very difficult. Very difficult. Because you got to be out front and honest with people. Because if if people are going to offer them more money, we just hope and pray that, that. I mean, we just do the best we can financially for them, and just hope that you know that they can overlook that, or we can make it. You know, we can make it work with uh, financial aid, and they can get packages of other types of aid and try to package it. That's what happened, like with the girl quarter miler, uh, with the financial aid and. Uh, and between what we offered her and what she qualified for and different types of aid because of her grades and test scores, everything like that, she was able to come here, I think, owing like $500 out of 18000 So that's pretty good. So yeah, baseball, baseball is one of those sports where uh, if you didn't know, if you're on the team, you gotta be on a certain percentage of a scholarship if, if you, if you want to play baseball. Uh, so, so track and field is not like that, obviously. Half our team is they're walk-ons. Kids, uh, kids will recruit and give an opportunity to be part of the team and the program, and and, and we can come back later on and try to help them out with some scholarship. So. Oh, whatever. Right, I'm, so I'm fine. I'm, I'm coach, time. So, Coach Thomas, I know it's been a uh, a lot when they're flipping flopping against co uh, the new coaching staffs and stuff like uh, Coach Davis coming in at a young age. Of course, Coach Brooks too. Lawyers, doctors, and people you know, own their own PT companies, and, and and strength conditioning coaches, and high school teachers and coaches, and everything. So we got people doing some really good things. That's what it's all about. Just 
if we don't win a championship, but if, you know, we can be a champion, we can make you champion in life. That's what it's all about, honestly. Any other questions? No. Um, on that topic of like winning and stuff, um, how would you rank um, the development of a kid having fun and winning in a, your ranking of importance? Of importance, it's always, you gotta make it fun. Because if you don't make it fun, it's a lot of, it's a lot of hard work. I mean, Troy would tell you, we work hard. But I mean, I think it's fun trying to get to those competitions. I think it's fun just the, the road trips. Uh, road trips for these guys are, are fun and experiences and things of that nature. So uh, winning is not, winning is not the end all be all. I think for these guys, it's the experiences that they get uh, being part of a team, um, just the relationships and the friendships, memories, those things, those things are just as important as winning. And, you're not, and it's only gonna be one team that wins every year. So um, I think for our kids, if they, if they can have a great college experience, that's what the athletic department wants the kids to do. They want them to have a great college experience. They want them, and that's, that's why they, they want us to uh, make sure we give them gear and we stay in nice hotels and buses and I mean, go to NCAAs and, and try to take care of them there and things like that. So we, that's the goal of the athletic department. That's the goal for me as a coach as well. We want them to have the best college experience possible. Like I said, I mean, win or lose, but I mean, but I mean, it's like only one team is going to win. So if you don't win, that means your year is a failure. No, I mean, we didn't win last year. We still had a successful year and we had a guy break school record with the NCAA championships. Uh, compete at the, one of the biggest meets that you can compete in if you're a college student athlete next to Olympic trials, NCAA championships. So, uh, like I said, winning is overrated. I mean, it's nice to win and things like that, but you know, we didn't win and we get kids to graduate and we get kids to be good citizens. That's what it's all about, honestly. What are some speed cues you can give us for people that want to increase their speed? <laughs> what are some things that, what are some cues that you give to increase speed or while you're running? And then what are some big mistakes that people make that slows them down? Uh, biggest tips I can give you to run, if you want to get faster, uh, force application. Uh, when you run, short sprints or anything fast related to sports application. How much force you can apply to the ground and, and posture, running mechanics and posture. Uh, the biggest error for people is uh, sprint mechanics. People tend, if you think if you overstride, that will get you there faster, but overstride will lead to injuries. Uh, when you sprint, uh, fast hands, the faster your hands go, the faster your legs go with it, with it is in sync. So if I get like this, that's how I run on the track. But if I can do this with good posture, running tall underneath myself, you'll run faster. Okay, and then what about jumping mechanics cues? It's same th same thing. I mean, the arms move you just as much the as arms, you like. Yes, mm -hmm. and posture, especially mm -hmm. long jump. And he'll tell you what happens when you overstride. Overstride, uh, you gonna end up stuttering or you gonna scratch? Yeah. Can you measure stride? And can you put something on you that yeah, measures we, your stride? Yeah, we measure strides. We do what's called wickets. Mm -hmm. And um, and this tape measure, you put about six feet, mm -hmm. six and a half feet, seven feet. It just depends on the person's stride. If they're overstriding, you want to move them, move them in a, a stride pattern that's going to help them be, help them be efficient. Mm. So, yeah, we get like little cones. You put a tape measure out, just put little cones, and we have them run through. If they're overstriding, they go down the lane. And this lane is perfect for you where you're not – when you're not sprinting and overstriding, when you run, you want to run underneath yourself and you want to stay tall and everything. So, so, so that's what you can do. It's called wickets. So, like I said, you get a tape measure. You go six feet, six and a half feet, seven feet, seven and a half feet. Just depends on height and, and turnover and, and skill and ability, ability as well too for some kids. Because some kids we know are not as fast. So, okay, this is your lane. For our faster ones, this is your this is your lane. Mm -hmm. If the ones who are, who are like overstriding and got technical issues, we'll put them in a lane to try to help them stop from reaching overstriding. So their feet supposed to land each cone? No, well, yeah, they should land underneath themselves. Okay. At, yeah. So basically, what we do, what we do, we have them run on the lane with the cone. Okay. So basically, they're stepping over the cone. Okay. 
Okay. And have to do some flying force and just work on your posture and running call, running tall and sprint mechanics and everything. Nice. Track of belt you're in. If it's mm -hmm. distance, if it's a whatever throws, hurdles, everything is about posture and running mechanics. Uh, that's the difference between a lead athlete and and like your local high school athlete. It's just just you know their, their running style and form. Mm -hmm. Just like in the high jump yesterday, I uh, got one that signed a kid last year. He's one of the best high jumpers in the state. And when you do the high jump, you push out of the back, and it should be a letter J. He basically did like a letter L, and still jumped six eight. Just he's, he's, he could just jump his running, his mechanics, the approach work is horrible. His posture was horrible. Everything we so now the biggest thing with him, trying to give him a mark. We we do practices where we just do run throughs, work on his running mechanics, his posture. I mean, he jumped six eight yesterday, and, he, and we're still doing things wrong. So the guy's gonna be pretty good, but. But that goes to show you. I mean, I go to state meet, I go to track meet. You see kids doing everything wrong. Once you can get a kid and you can just teach them proper mechanics, you'll see a big breakthroughs, huge breakthroughs a lot of times with a lot of kids. That separates. Sometimes it separates if you could be a good kid, good college level athlete, or you could be an elite college level athlete. Just if you can, if you can just learn, pick up things. If we, if you could pick up the coaching cues, the mm -hmm. ones who pick it up quicker than others. That's where. That's why some people make big progress. That's how he made the progress from his freshman year when it didn't go great to become an all-conference all uh, uh, long jumper. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it wasn't that he got better. He got better, but I mean, he just, his posture got better, his speed. speed. Mm -hmm. you know, if, I mean, things that he was lacking, it got better. Mm -hmm. So that helped him become a better jumper. Like this year, our goal from this year, 24 feet. He's jumped over 23 feet. We, we want to try to go over 24. So, I mean, so we're working on those things now in practice. We're doing a lot of wickets to help them with their with the sprint mechanics and running tall, and they're starting to just do some more jumping things now. And even with the high jumper, we do uh, we'll get a box and do some back overs, just work on their the arch over the over the bar, and uh, working on their approach. So we do full approach runs and with takeoffs, and again just try to work on have them stay tall, push out the back. Uh, high jump, if you push out of the back, gradually get quicker as you go. The last three or four steps should be a quicker step so you can clamp and get off the ground. So, I, I, you know, we, we drill that to death. Mm. Uh, and the high jump, the uh, reason why people are successful because it's their approach. Because, I mean, if you, if you can just nail your approach like the long jump, that's how guys could jump 20, 22 to 24, 25 feet in one year because they could fix their approach is, and they, they can run down the approach, run down the runway, and hit the board every time. Once you fix that, that's just, you're just working on other things. You're working on your landing. You're just nitpicking to try to get things better now. Right. But it basically everything is based on your running, posture, mechanics, form. Cool. Anybody have any other questions or anything? I picture some people didn't answer. I didn't see people ask me questions. Like I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out, but <laughs> bam, <laughs> bam. Sir. Yeah, sir. Thank you. Yeah. You guys, come on, guys. Right here. Oh, you asked me a question. Not yet. Okay. Yeah, we got some time. We got time. Cool. I want to hear from everybody. You got, you got a question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me talk. Okay. Um, what do you do, or um, like, what do you think is more important for your runners, like in the beginning of a practice? Like, what do you do for your warm ups, and then at the end of your practice, do you also make them like stretch and stuff at the end? Well, yeah, we do a we do a pretty extensive warm up. Uh, we'll have them do some um, strides. Uh, we have. Um, you know, back in the day, it was proven that you could do all this stretching, all this stuff, it's the best thing for you, it's the worst thing for you now. So we do what's called walking flexibility, so we'll just do some walking walking stretches. We have like about eight of them that we, we take them through. Then we'll do some sprint drills, just practicing, again, sprint mechanics and running underneath themselves and arms and 
things like that. And so that, I mean, that, that warm up takes about half an hour, 20, well, some days 25, 30 minutes. Awesome. Then they do the workout. Then afterwards, we'll have them just do like some, bare, like some barefoot, barefoot running on the track or foam roll, foam roll stretching. We'll do static stretching then after, but not before, that's the worst thing for you now. That's funny, because you see other sports like basketball, everybody do the stretching and that's, even running down the court, that's the worst thing you can do for you. That's yeah. when there's hurdle mobility. Right, that's what I'm about to ask. Yeah, <coughs> hurdle mobility as well. What's one of the biggest highlights of your job, Eddie? Uh, just dealing with, the, dealing with the athletes. Uh, come out to practice and, uh, hey, Coach Thomas, hey, hey, Coach Teasy, hey, hey, hey. My nickname is Coach Teasy. They started Teasy. It was years ago, so, so it, it's, it's somehow it's still stuck through the generations. But yeah, so but no, just dealing with the kids and uh, just uh, and a lot of them, they are they usually are excited about uh, practice. I don't know, if, you know, people were thrilled today. They didn't have five o'clock to go out to beat the six, but but once they cold. Uh, it was cold. It was cold this morning. See, I was prepared. You weren't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but just dealing with the athletes every day. Like they come up to practice and just. Talking with them, see how the day is going. They'll tell you how their day is going, and I will just try to. If it doesn't go, it's not going as well. You just try to give them a word to word of encouragement. Do you think if an athlete's having like a bad day or something, do you think that your personal relationship, like, is that something you look forward to every day? Is you know making their day better, and do you think that translates over onto the track and um, you know allows them to have a better overall performance? You know, do you think that that advice can help them? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's days where people are down, and you just try to uplift them. And, and some, because if I don't, if I don't fix this now, it's going that that attitude is going to affect their performance in practice. So that's why I'm trying to fix it on the front end. How's everything going? Well, I know that today is not going well, but hey, I'm, you know, I'm here. We want to talk at the practice. Well, let's try to get through this. And just do your best with it. And, I mean, just try to encourage them to do their best, even though if it don't go away great, you know, you know the reason why. And just, but, you, but still, again, we're just trying to just change their attitude and change their perspective on sure. on life and how they feel on that day. Right. But yeah, if it does make a difference, it's words of encouragement and mm -hmm. things of that nature. Yeah. All right. So, so running for me has always been a struggle. Um, yeah, as a softball player, I just run a little bit and that's it. Um, but what do you what do you recommend for people that have? What do you think is like one of the biggest barriers for people? Like part to, part to, one to one to run that one to like actually run long distance or because I know it's very mental. Yeah, run, run, running is mental, and that's that's one thing I'd like to point out. Like, like it's funny because like the tennis team will come out to the track and softball and all these sports yeah. come out there. You and women's basketball or men's basketball they out there running, and our kids are just amused by it because <laughs> because you know that's our sport. We, we have to train. We have to run to get better. And they just run sometimes for punishment, or if we punished our kids, we make them run. It, 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 it we're pulling slants. We're pulling slants or something like that. But I mean, it still wouldn't wouldn't make a difference compared to to like the other sports. But so it's just just your mindset. I mean, if you if you got a phobia about running, start just walking. Just walk around the track. Then maybe just it's easy jog. I mean, just maybe jog. Just the goal is hey, we jog two laps today. Just nice, easy. Go at your own pace. You know, just like just like anything else. Just you know, just be, just get out there. Like I said, if worst comes worst, if if you're walking, just walk, walk, walk a couple laps. I mean, at least you're working toward eventually. You know, whatever whatever it takes, just walk. And like maybe one day and say, okay, let me just jog a lap. Just jog at your own pace. Just that's the nice thing about running. You don't have to. Unless you're, unless you're in a race, you don't have to worry about a clock or anything like that. Whatever you want to do, to feel like you need to get fit, definitely do it. I mean, we have joggers out there all the time, and they're just out there jogging. I mean, they're not worrying about time or anything like that. I think they're just glad they get some exercise in. Uh, but like, like I said, if you got, got a phobia about running and you feel like, oh, God, I hate running or whatever, start with walking on the track. Like I said, walk, pick a distance. Hey, I'm going to walk a mile today. Put your headphones on, like you got. Put your music on. That, that four laps go by so fast. Then maybe, maybe you do that for a week or so. 
And maybe one day say, let me, let me jog a 400, let me jog at 800, put your headphones on, just a nice easy jog. You don't have to, not, you're not trying to impress anybody. Just go out there just trying to get exercise. So you should have a phobia about running. If you do have a phobia about running, start with walking. Start with walking. You know, in high school, I ran across the country in track. And, um, and, I, and cross country, I used to hate cross country practices. But, but again, you know, if you don't do it, if you don't run the distance, you're not going to get better in that competition. No type of situation. So I just learned to embrace and just run mileage and, and everything like that. That was a long time ago. But um, yeah, I would say just do that. Start with walking. Like I said, you got your you got your beats. Get your get your beats on and just walk walk a little bit. And like I said, just do that for a week or so. And like I said, then maybe just do a lap. Just say I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a chance. I'm gonna jog a lap. And like I said, a jog you don't have to go out there and try like you're trying out for a track team or anything like that. Just go out. Nice easy jog at your pace. You don't have you have to overdo it. <laughs> It talks like how, you know, jumping and running, how it can be hard on like your joints in your body or whatever, yes. or anything like oh, that. Oh, yeah, it, it is hard. It's no mistake. Yeah. yeah. So how do you deal with the wear and tear? Like, have, do you cross-train with anything to help kind of balance it out on your athletes? Well, we have an athletic trainer uh, for our sport, and we have a uh, training room in the sports medicine building uh, for our team. So but before workouts, after workouts, we always encourage them, if you need it, especially if you have an injury history, I make them go to the training room before and after to get treatment, like a hamstring. If you're a sprinter and we have hamstring injuries, you want to, you want to be preventative. So yeah, uh, definitely live in the training room. We do, like this week we cross-trained, like today, that's why we went to, ran to the beach, we get on the sand. We did a pool workout on Tuesday. So yeah, we, we do some cross-training, because you know, running on the track all the time is, Kind of boring, but it will beat you up too. So yeah, we we will cross train. Is we have some people that's injured. We, we have this elliptical bike, so we'll put them on elliptical bike. They have them do laps out there at the track. Um, if they can't come out there, our athletic trainer will have them do well, biking or something in the in the or treadmill in the training room or whatever. And then they have a tread pool, so it, you know they, it's an underwater tread pool, so uh, they can go in there and run if they can't run with us. So that's the goal. We try to keep everybody healthy for the try at the championship meet. So like we, we definitely preach. That's why I said last week Friday we have morning practice. I, I told them I say hey, you got anything small, go get it fixed now. Work on it now because you don't want that small injury that you're ignoring to get to get worse. So and, and as he will tell you, uh, every time we have a weight room session, our athletic trainers in there watching. Anybody that's injured and just making sure they don't re-aggravate anything that's going to lead to injury. See, she's doing the same thing at a track practice. She'll sit out, she'll come out there, and anybody that's injured, she'll take them to their own little workout, and so we're not rushing them back out there too soon and everything like that. So, yeah, the, the, definitely it's a long season. I mean, we've been practicing for five weeks now. So we just try, and they got to make it through um, um, end of May, middle of June. And we start practice already, so that's a long year, wear and tear. So we definitely encourage them to take ice baths, foam roll, stretching, uh, stem. Uh, we have the recovery boots. I don't know if you ever, if you saw them, the like boots that look like the, you know, if you watch Coach Richard Ghostbuster, Mr. Stay Puff. I always joke with him, call him Mr. Stay Puff. So they, they fit them on and it just puffs up, and it just helps with the recovery process. So I always call him Mr. Stay Puff. And, <laughs> If you don't know that, look at Ghostbusters, Mr. Stapon. <laughs> so it makes you like, or the Michelin Man. So it just blows up and everything. So, so we, we have a lot of you know, toys and tools to help them with the recovery process. Well, I just definitely want to uh, thank you guys uh, for allowing me to speak today. I hope I, hope I gave you some good advice and pointers and, and anything that can help you down the road. Please feel free every time. I'm my office is in the sports medicine building. Anytime you guys want any questions or anything I can do to help you or anytime, please feel free to stop by. I might even cook you up with a shirt or something. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got the hook. We're gonna do a quick stretch if you want to join us, but if you head out, that's fine. Alright, go ahead and stand up. Let's just do a quick stretch. I know before. Alright.
Let's just do our thoracic spine, upper back. Now when we do this, don't bring your hips back. All we're gonna do is round the upper back down, okay? So just follow my directions. We're gonna flex down, we're gonna rotate, we're gonna bend into a side, and then we're going to extend. If you can do it, you can do it with us. We're gonna cross the hands across the chest. So um, I'll go your way, so when I go left, you'll be going right, so you can go left with me. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and flex down the upper back, rotate to your right, bend into that side, extend back, rotate to the other side, dip the shoulder to the hip, and flex forward. Keep continuing that circle, and just the upper back, all the way around and back, extend, Laterally bend to the right, to your left side there, flex forward, and then come back up. All right, now one, one cue or one mistake we don't wanna do is try to go too far forward and bring our hips back. So watch this, so we're just, so let's try our other side. Flex forward, okay, rotate to that other side, dip down, extend back, rotate to your other side, bend into that side, Flex forward, continue that circle. Forward, rotate, bend, extend back, rotate, shoulder goes down to the side, flex forward, and down. I like this stretch. I'm gonna do I got a whole routine you can do for every joint in the body, just like that. So, well, I'd love to tell you about it. I'll give you all a treat, I'll give you all a session. And then now uh, let's bring our shoulders out. Let's do a scapular rotation, squeeze your fists. Okay, we don't want it out in front of the shoulder, we want about 10 degrees. We're gonna elevate the scapula, protract, depress, retract, elevate. And then just continue that circle without <laughs> bending your elbows. Okay, keep going here. So we're just full circle here, just like that. Now let's go the other way. Elevate, retract, depress, protract, elevate, retract, depress, protract. Shake it out a little bit. Now let's just get our neck before we head up. So squeeze the fist. If there's any pain, man, if you go into pain, just go around it nice and slowly. So we're gonna flex down, rotate, bend. The only thing that moves is your neck all the way back. Rotate, bend to the other side, and down. Just moving your neck, not your shoulders. Rotate to the other side, look back over the shoulder, behind the head here, rotating the other way, and down. Let's go the other way two times. Down, rotate, bend into the side, extend. Rotate, bend down one more time, all the way down. Rotate, bend, all the way back, all the way around all the way down. Shake it out a little bit. All right, clap it up again for our That's gonna be it for today. I added the, some new modules on Canvas, so make sure that you are checking out your Canvas folders, and we will see you all on Tuesday. I do a whole mobility Yeah, take care. Yeah, that's Yeah, 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 Ye